0: Welcome, dear friends, to Bible study time, and many, many thanks for just tuning in and giving an ear to the message of God's Word. We are now continuing our study in our previous broadcast on what is seemingly the most confusing and difficult portion of the entire book of Romans, chapter 5, verses 12 through 21. And I believe that these ten verses are the very heart and center of the epistle to the Romans. It's a summary or a summing up of all that has gone before, and it paves the way for all that is to follow. These 10 verses, chapter 5, verses 12 through 21. Now we learn some things from verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men For that all have sinned. Now we've learned that uh, in this section in Romans there are some very simple keys to remember that will help us to retain the pith and point. First, there are two men, Adam and Christ. Secondly, there are two acts, obedience and disobedience. And thirdly, there are two results, sin and death, and righteousness and life We're now dealing with the first man, Adam. All right, we read in verse 12, Wherefore, as by one man, that's man number one, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Now, with that brief word of introduction, let us pray, and then we'll get into the study of the Word. Father, we are thankful for Thy holy Word, the Bible, and we're looking to Thee for a ministry for our hearts. to give us what we need to have an intelligent understanding of conditions in the world about us and how men can be delivered from the consequences of sin. God, help us today in our study, and Lord, help me to say the right things in the right way so that I might be the greatest possible blessing to the greatest number of people who listen to this broadcast today. I ask this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now we have a seeming problem here. Some controversy has been stirred up over the latter part of verse 12. So death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Someone has said this one short sentence bothers me. And I say, why does it bother you? Well, they're just not willing to admit that the sin of one man could cause millions to suffer and die now I'm not going to answer that with the following statement but I'm going to pose another question if anyone thinks that it is unjust and unfair for millions to die because of the sin of one man I wonder if that many people would be willing to agree that it was unjust that millions can be saved by the death of one man Of course not if the death of one man could save millions of people why not accept the fact that the sin of one man could condemn millions of people we must face the fact that all have inherited from Adam the tendency to sin and the record of human history proves this now God is not charging us with the guilt of Adam's sin but our nature does go back to Adam's nature And if Adam was sinful before his children were born, his offspring likewise are sinful. Now there is a natural law stated on the first page of the Bible, and this is how it goes. It's repeated ten times after its kind. In other words, God is saying that everything reproduces after its kind. If you're going to plant a peach tree, you're going to get peaches from that tree, not apples. If you plant celery, you're not going to pull up carrots. Whatever you sow, you reap. That's a law. That's a natural and a supernatural law. And you can't change it. You can't alter it. It can never be abrogated. God gave it, and it stands. Everything reproduces after its kind. It's spelled out clearly not less than 10 times in the first 25 verses of Genesis chapter 1. Now, if Adam and Eve, our first parents, were without sin, then their kind, that is, the children born to them, would be without sin. Now that it was possible for Adam and Eve to have children before they sinned, when God put them into the world, and having created them, he said, be fruitful and multiply, and fill up the earth. The sexual relation by which children are conceived and born is not sinful. This is God's plan, God's order. God instituted this. God made this all possible. Only God can make a baby. So the sexual relationship was not wrong. Adam and Eve could have had children, but there were no children conceived and born before the fall so that inasmuch as they, the children were conceived and born after the fall, the children then had the same kind of a nature. They were born after the kind of Adam. Adam is the federal head of the human race. Therefore, we are sinners not because of any act of sin we have committed, but because Adam sinned. By reason of the solidarity of the human race, the sequences of sin have been transmitted from one person to all persons. Death is universal because sin is universal. We die because we have inherited a dying nature from Adam and Adam's death was the result of disobeying a specific command from God. By nature, all of us are identified with the first head of the human race, and in 1 Corinthians fifteen forty-five, he is called the first man Adam. One man disobeyed God, and just think what happened. Somebody says, does one act of disobedience make any difference? isn't one act of disobedience a little thing oh my friend when you read these verses you have the answer to that question now remember paul's not talking about sins which are the fruit of our lives but he's talking about sin the root of them all up to this point in romans sins have been the subject but from here on through chapter 8 sin in the singular number is the subject and sin issued in condemnation and in death. Sin is the cause, death is the effect. The universality of death proves the universality of sin. It is not a man's own sinful acts in his own person that causes death. He dies because he has inherited a dying nature, and he has inherited a dying nature because of sin in his father Adam. Therefore, death is because of sin. Not because of our sins. The death of babies and people who are mentally ill confirm this fact. When you see a little white casket you're reminded of the effects of Adam's sin. You're not blaming the death of that baby on any sins that the baby committed. The baby hasn't committed any sins yet, but that baby inherited a dying nature and that dying nature is the result of Adam's sin. It was not because of any specific transgression the baby but because the baby inherited a nature that was sinful can't you see that being of Adam's posterity we inherit from Adam the law of sin and death and when the last Adam came who was Christ it was with the purpose of undoing this horrible principle and putting another law into operation that would counteract the law of sin and death and free us from it you see when Adam sinned he went against the plain commandment of God now Paul's going to deal with this further. Let's move on now to this next verse, 13. For until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed when there is no law. Let's consider this for just a moment. During the period between Adam and Moses, before the law was given, that's the Mosaic law, before God gave it, the Ten Commandments to Moses, during that period people died people died between Adam and Moses now between that period there was no written law God had not yet issued the law and yet there were no specific commandments given to the human race such as God gave to Adam but still during that period infants died imbeciles died people died young and old now why did they die They did not die because they disobeyed any of the Ten Commandments because the Ten Commandments were not yet given. They died because they had inherited Adam's dying nature. With or without law, death reigned from Adam to Moses. Reason leads us to conclude that the death of those between Adam and Moses came because of Adam's sin. In Adam, sin and death Were inseparably joined likewise sin and death are inseparably joined in all of us and since there was death when there was no law there must have been sin when there was no law is this too difficult for you to grasp look at it again in verse 13 for until the law sin was in the world but sin is not imputed when there is no law so that the people who died between Adam and Moses, did not die for their sins. They died because of the sin principle that was in them. You see, Paul was making this so clear that in my judgment, we should not go astray. Our guilt does not go back to Adam's sin, but our nature goes back to Adam's nature. And therefore, the result is sin on our own account and guilt in our own name. Let's not hide behind Adam or blame God. If we think we would have done differently, we deceive ourselves. If you had been the first person in the garden and God would have said to you, you can eat of all the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat of it. You would have eaten of it. You would have done the same thing that Adam did. You're no different. You're no better, nor am I. To anyone who thinks that sin is merely the consequence of being a Mosaic lawbreaker, Paul says that is not so that is not so. Verse 13. For until the law sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. This is simply saying that sin existed as a fact before it existed as a guilt. It was a life fact before it was a law guilt. The law did not make men sinners, although it did make them transgressors. Sin did not come by the law, rather the knowledge of sin came by the law. You see. And so we have to keep in mind the fact that Death is a principle of sin. It goes along with sin. Unto the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Now let's move on and see the contrast between Adam and Christ. Now verses 15 to 21 present an interesting study of two men and the contrasting heritages that have come to the human race through each. Through the disobedience of the first Adam, we have inherited sin condemnation and death but through the obedience of Christ the last Adam we are heirs of righteousness justification and life the terms the first Adam and the last Adam are scriptural designations don't ever call Christ the second Adam the Bible does not call him the second Adam it calls him the last Adam the last Adam we read and so it is written The first man Adam was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. 1 Corinthians 15.45 By our first birth we inherit the nature of the first Adam. Through the new birth we inherit the nature of the last Adam. It was given to Adam to become the fountainhead of natural life to all of his posterity. Even so Christ, by his atoning death and resurrection, becomes the fountainhead of divine life to all who receive him. You see, there's good news and bad news in the story here. Please don't miss that. Good news and bad news. What is the bad news? The bad news, my friend, is that we inherit a sin nature from Adam and that results in death. The good news is that we receive eternal life when we are born again by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the last Adam. What a blessed truth we have here. Is it clearing up for you a little bit now? We've only covered two verses, just 12 and 13, but I hope these verses are helping you to see the real pith and point of the matter. You see, having worked out this whole system by inspiration of the Spirit, Paul says, in effect, I've been showing how the whole world was under the wrath of God. But how is it that the whole world is under the wrath of God? What has happened to mankind that it should be in that terrible condition? Why should mankind be suffering under the wrath of God in the way that we have seen? Well, his answer is that it is all because of what Adam did. And he tells us about that in this one section. So he's taking one further step in the great theme of mankind fallen and under the wrath of God and Jesus Christ coming to save and to restore us to reconcile us to God. Now, to understand our problem and our need, we must understand what happened to Adam and our relationship to Adam. In Adam, we are all lost, but in Christ, redemption has been made available for all mankind. The whole story of the human race can be summed up in terms of what has happened because of Adam and what has happened and will yet happen because of Jesus Christ. Consider the state of the world at the present time. Think of all the immorality, the drug addiction, the drunkenness, the murders, the rape, all that's going on. You say, what's happened? Well, there it is. Adam is responsible. Why is it like that? Why has it always been like that? The history books tell us that this has always been the pattern of things. The world is no different today from what it has always been. Why is this? Paul says, it all results from Adam, one man. He puts here in one great and momentous paragraph the fact that Adam before, he had simply proved that all the Gentiles were in sin and under the wrath of God, and likewise the Jews. But he had not told us up to this point how we had become involved in this situation. Now he gives the explanation. It was the result of our relationship to Adam. We are a part of the human race and everything reproduces after its kind. Now, you're going to see this opening up. And what else do you have here in this section? You have what Dr. Lloyd-Jones calls the first mention of the doctrine of original sin. Have you ever realized that here is the classic passage in the Bible on the doctrine of original sin? Jones says it's the very hub of it. It's the center of it. It's the most important passage in the whole of Scripture on the doctrine of original sin. What a section we're dealing with, beloved. It's a most important passage with reference to the historicity of the first three chapters of the book of Genesis. Do you believe the first chapters of the book of Genesis? I can name you a professor in a theological seminary who teaches that the first 12 chapters of Genesis are Babylonian myth. They are not historical records at all. Well, my dear friends, what Paul is saying here in Romans establishes the accuracy and the historicity of those early chapters in Genesis. Oh, you say, it doesn't matter whether or not we accept the first three chapters in the book of Genesis as history or not, doesn't it? It makes all the difference in the world, my friend. It makes difference, a great difference, as to our salvation. This section insists upon accepting the story in Genesis as literal Actual fact and history, and don't you ever forget that. That's right here in Romans chapter 5, verses 12, 13, and 14. Adam was a historical person, and what we find here concerning him is recorded by the Holy Spirit. All right, these verses then present an interesting study of two men and the contrasting heritages that have come to the human race through each. Through the disobedience of the first Adam, we have inherited sin, condemnation, and death. And through the obedience of the last Adam, eternal life and righteousness have been made available to us. By our first birth, we inherit the nature of the first Adam. And through the new birth, we inherit the nature of the last Adam. Now look at verse 15 before we conclude our study. But not as the offense so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. Now we have seen that there are points of comparison of similarity between Adam and Christ, each standing at the head of a race, and that the effects of their influence have not escaped those who are under their respective headships. Now there is, however, one important difference, even in the similarity, namely, all men are in Adam by decree. You and I had nothing to do with our presence in the world or our position in Adam. On the other hand, our position in Christ is the result of a decision on our part. Not everyone born into Adam's family is born into God's family. Many who are identified with the first Adam have no time for the last Adam. The point of dissimilarity between Adam and Christ lies in the character of their acts and the results which issued from each one. Notice that word offense. It should be rendered trespass, and it implies a collapse or a fall from a higher position. Since the many, standing for all mankind, in contrast to the one man Adam, since the many suffered death because of the trespass of the one, much more may we live through the righteousness of Christ, which is God's free gift of grace. In Adam, I received what I deserved. In Christ, I received what I did not deserve. Now, I expect that some of you might challenge the statement that I have made, that in Adam we receive what we deserve. But don't forget, my friend, that we are sinners by choice as well as sinners by nature. Adam was not a sinner by nature when God created him but he sinned by choice. We are sinners both by nature and by choice. This is indisputably proved in the life of every Christian. When we were born again, we received a new nature, which is God's nature. The incoming of the new nature never eradicated the old Adamic nature we inherited from Adam. Both remain with us until we depart this earthly life. But it is possible now that the Holy Spirit indwells the Christian for the Christian not To practice sin. In fact, sin is forbidden. We shall take that up a little later. Yet the truth of the matter is that every Christian has sinned since becoming saved. But it's a wonderful truth to know that we have been redeemed from the guilt and from the penalty of our sins. Well, our time has expired. I'm going to quit there, and we'll take up with verse 15 in our next study. I hope this portion of Scripture is opening up to you now as we press on from day to day. Thank you for tuning in. God willing, I'll be back at the same time and on the same station. And until then, keep looking up.